Hello and welcome to another In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on your favorite podcast platform. This is cliffcentral.com. And this show is where you get to meet the people that I'm lucky enough to meet on my travels around the globe as a professional speaker. I speak at about 180 conferences a year, and the people that I meet on my journey are some of the most inspiring, some of the most powerful leaders, some of the most important thought entrepreneurs that you've ever come across in your life. And Gareth Cliff and I thought it would be a really cool thing for you to be able to meet them right here as well, hence our 15-minute podcast for you. You'll also know, if you're a regular listener, that I'm very, very keen on homegrown African talent. And uh, today, our guest on the program is is exactly someone who fits the bill. We're going to be talking to Rapalang Rabana, who Forbes Africa had on their cover when she was less than 30 years old. Can you believe that? She's spoken on on tech entrepreneurship, on kind of educational leadership for places like the Gartner IT Forum, the World Economic Forum in Switzerland. Um, she's done some really cool stuff. She was also voted one of the top entrepreneurs in the world in 2014 by the World Entrepreneurial Forum. So that's one hell of a big intro. Rapalang joining us from her home uh, by Skype at the moment. How are you and, and welcome to the show? Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I'm doing quite well. It's a beautiful day in Cape Town. Brilliant stuff. Now, how does it feel to be introduced in that particular style? You're no stranger <laughs> to it, of course, as a, as a global time, speaker. Most of the time, I don't think it's me, and I'm waiting for somebody else to stand up, and then I gather it's me, and I've got to get up. <laughs> how did all this come about? What's the story behind all of those brilliant accolades and the things that you do on the conference circuit? I've had a quite an extraordinary journey. I would say I had a lot of opportunities that I actually managed to capitalize on. And my ability to capitalize on them really started quite early on during my university and high school career where I kind of knew that I didn't want to play with the system and I was tired of playing the system and I wanted to be able to do things that I thought were interesting and valuable and important. So by the time I finished university, I was pretty clear on I couldn't get a job because I wasn't going to survive psychologically and I needed to find another way to add value. And that started with my first business, Yego. I'm a voice over IP mobile phone based business, essentially building things like Viber and WhatsApp um, back in 2006, which is very, very early. And that morphed into a telecoms operator here in South Africa um, and was acquired by a company called Telfree. And now I'm working on Rekindle Learning also in the tech space, but focused on how we use technology to improve learning um, at school level, university level, and um, corporate learning levels. Did you always have a natural affinity towards technology and learning as well? Not not really at all. Um, I would say that I was quite surprised. I landed in computer science by sheer error. I knew by the end of matric that I knew enough that I knew nothing about myself. And... I wanted to take a gap year, but my parents were not really having it. So my older brother, who was at UCT at the time, said, you know, this is the degree you can study because I had no idea what to do. And he picked a, a business science, computer science degree. I had, other than just using computers in a normal high school class, I have no idea about programming and coding by then. So it was quite a shocker and probably a practical joke on his side. Um, in the end, though, I decided to stick with it because there was something quite powerful about the creative um, component of programming and computer science. 
unlike most other subjects that I looked at there, you know, the accounting or the actuarial science or the marketing and things like that, I thought I was going to have to spend many years after the end of university reviewing, evaluating, analyzing, auditing, all this other stuff that other people were doing. But with computer science, you could just come up with your own ideas and make them into a reality. And you didn't need a manufacturing plant to do that. You just needed an internet connection and a computer. And a good um, brain, and, of course. <laughs> and a good brain, too. So that's that's what made sense to me in the end. So I don't think I'm a techie in any way. I just appreciate the creative element. And now you're known as this global technological entrepreneur. I mean, to say that it was almost a practical joke that got you into studying <laughs> computer science, it seems an incredible tale, really, doesn't it? It is, and it really is quite extraordinary. And I'm, I'm, I always ask myself, you know, how, how it all came to be. And I think I was just lucky enough to be able to tune into those little voices you hear in our heads quite early on and just trust that it was going to take me somewhere. And if it doesn't, I can spend the rest of my life figuring it out. And that ability to just, you know, trust the journey has been, yeah, critical and instrumental in taking me here. So tell me a little bit about the story with Diego, your first startup. How did that come about? Where did the idea germinate from? Sure. So by the towards the end of my last year at university, um, I found some other guys who were also desperate not to get a job and decided you know, to meet up and chat about what we could do so that our parents don't kill us. We started business and then in terms of thinking what kind of business we do um we really just acknowledged the fact that as students we had always been faced with these high telecoms bills and you never really had airtime on your phone and you would use please call me for everything and yes. one please call me meant meet me at five o'clock and two please call me meant meet me at six o'clock instead and it, we just thought that the internet presents so many more opportunities to change how we communicate. And on a campus, like a university campus, we shouldn't be struggling like this to communicate. Um, bear in mind that this is a time before Android, before iPhone, the smartest phones you had was those Nokia E-series and N-series on your Windows mobile phones and things like that. Mm -hmm. And 3G was just, you know, starting to emerge. But we thought that there was potential in the space of doing Internet-based telephony on your mobile phone. Um, so come end of graduation, we promised each other to meet up again middle of Jan. And we all came back and started working on the prototype and the business plan. Were you starving to death at the time, though? Was it just one of those no. real struggles? So we what we did just continue living like students. So what we did manage to convince our parents to do was to continue to feed us and pay our rent. And that's the primary funding that we had until the end of that first year in 2006 when we got our first angel investment from the three angels. Um, and that allowed us to actually launch Jaeger.com in February of 2007. And that's really the tale that launched us onto a global platform because within a couple of weeks of that launch, um, a British company and an Israeli company were also launching, and it was just happening on a worldwide scale. So it really put us on a great platform thereafter. So your timing was right, certainly, and the luck was with you. The timing was right in terms of estimating whether the technology was possible, but in terms of estimating whether the business viability was possible was very, very early. There's good reason that WhatsApp and Viber are really only getting mainstream now. We were incredibly, incredibly early. So I wouldn't say we got that timing right. And that's why we had to shift the business a lot and end up 
essentially building a mobile voice, a voice of IP operator rather in South Africa with Telfree servicing businesses as opposed to consumers on mobile phones. So we didn't get everything right, but the journey was extraordinary nonetheless. Now, since you've become a speaker around the world, I shared a stage with you recently in Cape Town last week, and uh, it was interesting to Mm. see the response that the audience, who were all conference organizers, looking at you, and they were sort of very intrigued. I've heard since that, you know, you made a very, very good impression. What is it that you were talking about, and what was the message that you're trying to convey in your professional speaking world now? Thanks for that feedback, um, Michael. So what I was talking about at the session last week was essentially an inside perspective into innovation and entrepreneurship that I think is less traditional than what is offered in business schools. So I refer to entrepreneurship as opposed to entrepreneurship because it's not just about being an entrepreneur. I think capacity to be innovative and to think entrepreneurially can be applied to anyone, regardless of wherever they find themselves. Um, and essentially, I'm proposing that by being more self-aware and more aware of the world around you and how you relate to it is a key driving factor in your ability to notice and capture opportunities. And it's awareness rather than intellect and financial capacity that will determine um, how value and success is created in the world tomorrow. So is it, your, um, is it your goal then to inspire others to be more entrepreneurial? Definitely. I think in companies or even in public sector, when people realize that the journey they have traveled, the sum total of their skills, their experiences and everything actually predisposes them to see certain opportunities. You can unlock all this potential in people. Most of the time we think that, you know, to be successful, you've got to have you've got to find some great idea from somewhere out there or you've got to have certain relationships or certain financial capital um, without realizing that you have been predisposed to notice certain opportunities. And if you simply raise your level of awareness, you are able to start seeing them as opportunities um, and capture them. Often we're consumed by the circumstances around us and we almost think that they're real and they're permanent and they can't be changed. But if you start to notice the things that frustrate you, that irritate you, and realize that they're actually not fixed, they can be changed. I believe that is the source of um, new ideas, whether you're in a company or starting your own business. It sounds like an incredibly uplifting tale and a message. Um, I can almost hear the inspiration oozing out of you as well. Do you have to be that kind of person, though? Do you need to be you know, as upbeat and as positive and as forward-looking mm. as you seem to be and are? Or can this happen to anyone? I always think that I was never the smartest person. So how could I come to the place where I can do what I do? And at the end of the day, awareness isn't something that is belongs to a privileged few. And I credit my success largely to greater levels of awareness. Um, even Stephen, Steve Jobs has a powerful quote that says, um, if you, if you, I'm trying to remember the details of it, but he goes something around the fact that you need to question the world around you because everything that you call life has been created by people no smarter than you, and you can change it, and you can mold it, and you can make your mark upon it. Um, you see, he's able to separate himself and the circumstances he faces from an idea of a permanent reality. And when you can do that, when you realize that the circumstances you're in are man-made by somebody else, you can actually change them. 
that shifts your capacity to be innovative and do things. And I think that awareness is available to anyone who seeks it. I, th- I think it's a really powerful message. And, uh, you know, I echo it as a change speaker myself. You know, I'm, I'm certainly in that camp with you. This mm. transition that you've made, though, to becoming a speaker, was is this part of your destiny? What's the ultimate goal for Rapalang Rabana? As a speaker, you know, the speaking has, again, has also happened quite organically over many, many years. I think I started speaking perhaps two or three years into um, Diego. So it's been going on quietly and building up for a long time. And I just increasingly got in the feedback that it, it helps other people and it's positive and I need to sort of step it up. And what I've also found is that it's such a powerful way to meet people. Um, coming, I don't have a, a massive social capital to speak of with extended family and big business or anything like that. So for me, it's been an incredible tool to connect with people that are interested in the things I'm interested in because now I can open up my sort of pool of conversation wider. And that's what speaking has been quite instrumental in for me. And this is actually great for everything, not just my own interest and personal development, but also growing the businesses that I'm trying to build. And I was going to ask you exactly that. What lies ahead for mm. you, Rapalang? <clears throat> I mean, you know, mm. you've, you've been on the cover of Forbes. You've spoken at the World <laughs> Economic Forum. You know, what, what super challenges have you got lined up ahead to, to challenge yourself with? Sure. The, the space I'm working in now around learning technologies is a huge, huge issue. I'm sure, Michael, you know the state of our continent and that if we're really going to emerge as a global leader, as a continent, we need to figure out what we're doing about skills, um, learning, and what we do about this group of young people that are not going to be able to add value without greater levels of education and skills. And that's a massive, massive ticking time bomb. And for me, if I can make some contribution in that respect, then I think I've done something worthwhile. And it's always been important for me to to apply my mind to things that actually move society forward, that move humankind forward. And it's, it's never been enough to be able to go into a corner and make my own money and sit in a corner because ultimately um, it's a matter of statistics. I have graduated and as long as I work hard, I should be okay. I don't consider that an achievement in my mind unless we've actually been able to affect the society around us. I think I'm beginning to understand now why one of the testimonials that I saw on a website about you said, if Rapalang <laughs> Rabana was running for president, I'd vote for her. Time is against us very quickly. You've inspired mm-hmm. an awful lot of people. This podcast alone reaching thousands of people uh, is going to be one where people want to find out more about you to get more sure. information on you and what you're working on in the learning technology space and just to be more inspired. So where do they go to get information on you, Rapalang? Sure. Um, my personal website is rapelang.com, R-A-P-E-L-A-N-G.com. And my company's website is rekindlelearning.com, R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E, learning, all one word, dot com. Wow. And there's lots of stuff there for you to look at. Fantastic. And I'm sure lots mm. and lots of people are going to be heading that way in a moment or two now. As always, in 15 minutes, time flies. Can't wait to see you on stage again. I was inspired. Goodness me, and after two and a half thousand conferences, it takes a lot to get my juices (laughs) flowing. But my goodness, I think you need to look out for uh, everyone listening to this for Rapalang Rabana. Go and search her out. Go and find out more information about her and make sure that you inspire yourself as much as she continues to inspire 
the whole continent of Africa and a global world beyond. It's been a pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you for being with us. The pleasure's mine. Take care, Michael. Take care. All the very best. That then was Rapalang Rabana. This is cliffcentral.com, and you've been listening to In Conference with Michael Jackson. We're live every Tuesday and podcast availability for you 24-7, 365 days a year. Thanks for being with us. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.